Well, in this show, Rob Schneider joins us, hangs in most all the way through the show, getting everything with him. We got the news as well. Actor Neil McDonough joins us. Oh, you'll know that face anywhere. He comes in as well, and we'll do all that right after this. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like holiday movie favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. Corolla One Studios in Glendale, California. This is the Adam Corolla Show. Adam's guest today, Rob Schneider and Neil McDonough. Plus, we'll do the news and trending topics with Chris Loxamana. And now, any day he'll be pulling the remains of a stocking out of Phil's shit. Adam Carolla. Yeah, get it on. Got to get on a church with Get on Get it on. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for telling the frame. We'd love that about you. Rob Schneider is joining us from Denver. Rob, SNL, and all the movies and the stand-up specials. And uh, you can also check out uh, Daddy Daughter Trip, which is available at uh, Walmarts and Amazon and uh, digital downloads as well. Good to see you, Rob. Good to see you. And uh, wow, a lot of things happening. And it, it seems like it's um, it's good you have a podcast right now because of all the things that are happening in the world. Yeah, well, it was always a dream of mine to uh, talk in an unfettered way. And yeah. it's a it's a weird thing. I don't think I've ever told you. I've told the story, but it's it's been a while. Um, when I was at the Acme Theater in probably 1990, maybe 1991, and I'd built the theater. And uh, M.D. Sweeney was the name of the director. He's also the founder of Acme. And he and I were very good friends. And he was a guy I respected. And uh, I was sort of going nowhere career-wise. I couldn't find a lane. I was like a a good athlete that didn't have a sport. You know, I I didn't know what sport to play. But I I was a good – everyone was like, that guy's a great athlete, but we don't know what sport he should be playing. And uh, I said to him after rehearsal, like one night, it was just he and I alone. I I said, uh, where do you see me? You've you've been watching me for a few years now. You see me as a writer. He's like, "Ah, it's kind of. I said, you see me as a performer? He's like, well, yeah. He just stopped and he said, you need some sort of job where you just talk into a microphone every day for a couple hours and it goes out to people. This is 1991. And I said, yeah, thanks. That job doesn't exist. And he's like, yeah, but that's that would be the job for you. Just every day you just sit down and bloviate into a microphone and it goes out. And I was like, I don't know what job that is, though. And he goes, I don't either. But that that's what you should be doing. And, uh, you know, that was 20, 20 years before uh, the podcast uh, had come about. Wow, but that, that seed was planted, you know. Yes. Uh, for me, for me, it was, uh, I just, you know, when you see people on TV, I remember Richard Pryor used to, Richard Pryor used to say, the great stand-up legend, he used to say, like, in one of his comedy albums that I had, like, you know, 
TV people on TV and movies, they're not real. John Wayne's not real. John Wayne don't go to the bathroom, you know, because right. they just don't seem real. But when you're in in proximity with them, like when I saw Steve Martin perform in the in 1970s and I remember like, well, he figured it out. He's a person. I'm right. a person. So if he could figure it out, then technically there is a possibility that I could figure it out. But it's weird. You have to kind of make that connection to to allow yourself to to get to that place where like, yeah, okay, it's a possibility. Well, you know? where, so that's kind of cool. for you, I mean, you didn't come from a, an environment that was particularly conducive for being a performer, did you? No, no. My dad was a real estate agent, and my dad, my, my, I was, I was raised by two trauma survivors, and my mom was a World War II survivor from the Japanese occupation of the Philippines. So, it wasn't exactly a funny household all the time, you know. But they liked to laugh, and um, I just didn't know exactly how I ever fit in. But I, I will say that, like, when I, um, my dad had comedy albums. That was the outlet for me. So there were, there was Woody Allen. There was. Um, Bob Newhart and Nichols mm-hmm. and me. And right. So that was stuff. And my dad used to like, we like to watch comedies more than anything. And he had a huge laugh. And I knew that like he had his own distractions and stuff. But he, if you made him laugh, that was like huge. And I remember how fun that was. And I was a nervous kid. So what happened was I remember like being in school where the kids would be, I'd say something and I was, you know, st- stuttering a little bit and not sure the right words. You know, my mother's first language wasn't English. And um, so I would get laughs. And all of a sudden, I remember thinking, I could either fight this or go with this. I remember at a very early age, and I said, I'm going to just go with it. And that was one of the, you know, I remember that being a child and go, you know, it's actually kind of good to get a laugh, uh, no matter what the, you know, emotional cost it is. You said your dad was a survivor. What did he survive? Uh, My dad was... um, there was uh, his his father committed suicide, so it was um, his. Uh, How old he was, was he? He was in his twenties, but he blamed himself because it was happened at uh, his house. Wow! So was like, yeah, at his so that house. Was really, how did how did that? Well, come Well, my about? dad first bought a house, and he, my see that happened. My 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 uh, grandfather was from Tarnopol, which is like Prussia, you mm-hmm. know, and came over. And it's one of those things where you come over and you don't realize how old you are because they lie thinking it's going to be cheaper to get you in the country. You know, these mm-hmm. ignorant Russians coming in and, uh, and or Polish people. And so then um, he was a barber and that's how he made his living and didn't realize that um, uh, the investments that, um, you know, that his wife was making because when he retired after he thought, he thought there'd be some money left over, but didn't realize that this, there wasn't, and mm-hmm. she had put the money into stuff and was really frustrated and depressed. And also he wasn't working. And so, you know, when people – it's like um, the same thing in uh, for the California uh, Highway Patrol, you know, the, how many checks they receive after they retire. Not too many. Right. So, uh, so it was just – but it was a kind of a melancholy. My dad uh, had that, but he was a lovely man and, you know, I miss him. And uh, but it was great. And like he supported me when I, when I was 15 years old. I said, Dad, there's a comedy club called the Holy City Zoo. And on Mondays, they let anybody up. And he just said two words to me. Let's go. Wow. It, it is, but you, getting circling back to uh, your dad. Now, I have some suicide in my family as well, um, which is not my dad's dad. But my my family did a sort of, you know, suicide, but on, uh, you know, uh, on layaway. It was a sort of slow motion life suicide. It wasn't really all done with one squeeze of the trigger. But 
You say your dad killed himself or his dad killed himself in your dad's house. Yeah. Was he living a, with him? He wanted to. He said he left and came over there um, and he was angry because he, he didn't understand what was happening with the finances, blah, blah, blah. And then, um, you know, my dad was like, just, well, hang on. I got to go. I got a meeting. I'll be right back. When he came back, it was over. Wow. So it, was, it happened at his house. So. Oh, uh, it was uh, very traumatic and stuff like my dad. But luckily, my dad went to therapy and he was able to come to, a, I, I think, a more peaceful place with it. But it was uh, something that, you know, there's a thing. you So and then on my mother's side, she was traumatized by the Japanese occupation. Her family's, you know, her family, uh, you know, with the Japanese occupation of the Philippines, which was ugly. And a couple of her brothers, did, you know, were killed by the Japanese. So I've, I've got like this. I didn't realize like I should have been in I should have been in therapy. Uh, there was a great. Um, uh, was your dad able to live and reside in that house after his father killed himself in it? I don't think so. I didn't. I never asked that question. That's a good question. But I, I don't I think I don't I would think. No, I don't think he stayed there that much longer. One of the greatest Corolla family stories is my grandmother's brother killed himself in their house, their very small house in uh, Valley Village, you know, probably 900-square-foot ranch house. And when I said to her, oh, man, so Robert killed himself, yep, uh, in his 30s, you know, with a gun, a rifle. I said, uh, and then what? Was it hard to live in the house after that? And she went, why? I said, because your brother killed himself in the house. And she went, so? And I went, well, isn't that weird? No, no, we made it into your uh, grandfather's office. I said, I, I know, but that's a weird thing, right? I mean, people would have feelings about that. And she goes, why? And I was like, oh, boy, we're much worse shape than I'd ever thought. And, hey, there's this incredible book called People of the Lie by Dr. M. Scott Peck. You know, you know there's like you can't go into any bookstore in anywhere in the world without self-help books. But like the first one really that caught on and it was on the bestseller list for 25 years was The Road Less Traveled. Sure. Basically, it was, it was along the lines of there really wasn't there – there was a 12-step program for alcoholics but was there just a 12 step problem for people for a program for people who want to grow emotionally and you know in a spiritual kind of way but this was a even though it's a secular book he later became a christian m scott peck dr m scott peck and he wrote a book uh about um called people of the lie about liars and identifying liars and identifying you know he said it's it's a a book uh trying to heal human e evil mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, so one of the thing, one of the stories in the books was this kid. He was he's a ther he was a therapist, psychotherapist, and this kid came in was depressed, and he seemed like a perfectly nice kid, just really, really down and depressed. And his brother had committed suicide, and um, and he was talking to the kid and realized, you know, this kid's fine. This kid does not have problems anyway. And then he was asking, um, you know, what what was so down, and he said, well, and he his parents for Christmas gave him a gift, and they gave him a gun. Mm. And he said, well, certainly, why would you give a gun for your brother? His brother committed suicide. Why would you give him a gun? He said, why would they give him that? And then uh, it was the same gun mm. his brother had used to end his life. I was like, wow. And then, then he met with the parents of these. And he said, these, these are just evil people. And it's a really interesting book because it kind of crosses over the, um, the line. Because, you know, when I think we've discussed this before, when um, in the age of enlightenment and the, the, the idea that science – 
and, and knowledge of man and theology could survive and coexist was in conflict because of, you know, Galileo and Copernicus discovered that, hey, going against the um, powers that be at the time uh, in, in the Catholic Church was the, what the Pope said was the, the earth is the center of the solar system. And they said, oh, no, no, it's not really. It's the sun. And that was against the um, uh, the church dogma. So they were out and he like, I think Galileo died in Germany in prison, you know, uh, having to recant what he knew was uh, scientifically true. So at that point, there was a del- delineation between science having to progress separately, not being crushed by the most powerful thing on earth at that time, which was, uh, you know, the, the Pope and the church. Um, so, so when somebody does something like that, you'd say in science, they would say, this is uh, sick, that person who, you know, if you give a gun to your uh, that's that was used to kill your a brother and you give it to the other brother, that's sick. And the, theologically, you would say it's evil, but that's it, one and the same. So it's a really interesting thing. But I, I think at this time, I think you have to talk about uh, and bring these two groups, science and theology, back together. And that's the whole purpose of uh, M. Scott Peck's uh, work in his later years. Um, on a different and may, maybe jo- more jovial note, uh, I saw a sneak preview of the Ferrari movie last night, and uh, I won't review it just yet, but uh, it, was, it wasn't as good as I'd expected or hoped for, but, uh, but I saw it, and Adam Driver plays Enzo Ferrari, and there's a couple things that were interesting about it. Um, everybody in the movie did an Italian accent, they spoke English with an Italian accent, which makes sense. Um, and that your mind is supposed to do the math that they're really speaking Italian, but it's English so we can understand it. Um, the other thing that's interesting about the movie is most of the movie is focuses on Piero Ferrari, who was the illegitimate son of Ferrari. I mean, Ferrari had Enzo, the dad, Ferrari, the old man, he had a kid with another woman and he was a illegitimate kid and the other woman and Piero lived in another part of the town and nobody knew about it. And he was going like back and forth between his family because because Ferrari's son that he had with his wife, um, Dino, died. Early age, age twenty four. That's why the the Dino Ferraris named after after Dino, the son the son that died. Very tragic. Very distraught about that. But then had this other son who was like eight years old that nobody knew about, including including Ferrari's right wife. But it struck me when I made my doc a little before Ford v Ferrari, the twenty four hour war. We went and interviewed Piero Ferrari. That I would, you know, he was 78 at the time. Running Ferrari was a real grab of an interview because these guys don't do interviews, but we're able to get in. And he did it. He did it in English, but with the accent and stuff. And at the time, I was was like, this is Ferrari's like other son, like half son. But now he's running Ferrari. And I didn't really think anything about it. Then I saw the movie last night. It's really all about this this kid. So if you want to see the real life version of him, you can watch uh, the 24-Hour War, our movie. But here's what I want to talk to you, Rob Schneider, about. Yes. I saw Napoleon a couple of weeks earlier. And <laughs> Napoleon, they didn't do French accents. They did a kind of an old 
world English accent. Everyone, they just said, fuck the accents. We're, we're just going to speak, and we can't just speak like we're from New Jersey, so we'll have to speak like we're from the U.K., except for this thing's taking place in France. And I don't know if it started at the top. I don't know if Joaquin Phoenix just went, I'm not doing it, and if everyone else does it around me, then I'm going to look like a jackass, so no one is going to do the accent. Now, I don't know where you stand, but you do a lot of great accents. Well, thank you. The idea is to get the audience into the movie as quickly and cleanly as possible without uh, without having really any objections. I mean, they they know it's it's fake. It's a movie. But the idea is to submerge them into this false uh, world and get them to just they and they have to do their part. That's why it's a very tricky uh, formula because if you do too much of the thinking for them, if the music is too strident, if the acting is too strident, if the story is too pushy and it doesn't leave anything for the audience, I mean, I really feel it's a 50%, 50% thing. As the old expression is, you know, if you go to the theater feeling 100%, give 80, as Stella Adler. If you go to the theater feeling 80, give 60. If you go to the theater feeling 60, go home. Hmm. So, but, but there is the accent thing is. For some reason, for American for for American audiences, which is the majority of what they're trying to get money wise, they seem to think Hollywood traditionally is that an English um, accent is is the acceptable form, yeah. and that that uh, it, people go along with it because it's oh, default. it's default. It's the universal. It's the way to yeah, they make movies. You know, Star Wars. It's two thousand years in the future, and they just have sort of a British accent in outer yeah. space, and it, it it's it's the accent of authority, and it's also default acceptable. And they could never do it with a twang or southern draw or any any anything like that, or like they were from, uh, you know, North Dakota or some some version of that, but or Fargo. But I think, Chris, did you pull a clip of uh, those two? Because I just want to hear if my ears were playing tricks on me. Uh, Adam Driver did the Italian accent and did a good job. Uh, right. Joaquin Phoenix didn't appear to try, but we'll... Here, this is Adam Driver. Okay, this is Adam Driver. The corner races at you. You have perhaps a crisis of identity. Am I a sportsman? Competitor. Okay, still Solid, intense. You get gallant. into one of my cars. You get in the win. All right, so that's him doing he's it. He's going in and out. He's he's not exactly a, an accent. The thing is with the accents in movies, you have to do it's it's like uh, it's accent plus, not accent perfect. Because if you do it too perfect, then the audience has to be able to understand you. So you have to make that a little bit. So he's making, a, I think, a 75-25. Mm-hmm. In other words, he's doing 25% accent, 75% making sure the audience understands every word. Mm-hmm. And I think that's 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 a delineation that's kind of tough to get. There are some movies where, like, I, I describe it this way. There's only so many times the audience could put up with, with a certain amount of crap. Like, if, you know, when Tom Cruise and the firm... Uh, is being chased by you know the the old oatmeal guy uh, Wilford Brimley around mm-hmm. the building, uh, as if Wilford's going to catch him at all. <laughs> and he jumps out he jumps out the um, the window just in Memphis where a cotton truck drives by. Right. Okay, now the audience can say, "Oh, we're going to take that's one. That's it. That's all you get." Right. If later in the movie, there's another cotton truck. Everybody gets up and leaves. That's it. Right. 
So it's the same thing with an accent, you know, like one of the worst ones is like the problem with the British accents or the English accents in movies is that there's there's like five in England alone. You have a very you have a very uh, exact accent. Did you hear on the news at night or something? You know, and then you'd have some caught in an accent. Would have any. And right. the problem is in the Russian drama that um, like uh, Russia House or something with Sean Connery. Problem was. You had Cockney guys like that, and they're supposed to be Russian. And then, right. Sean, and then uh, Sean Connery's British talking like this. Right. He's, he's Welsh or, or uh, Scottish. He's a broke like this. And I said, after a while, I was like, you know, that's too much. And that movie didn't work. And that's one of the reasons why it doesn't work. So it's, it's tough. But the, the reality has to take a back seat to what's for the audience likes. And my favorite one is the Steve McQueen story, if I told you, the, you know, when he was doing probably the greatest guy movie ever, The Great Escape. Mm-hmm. These guys have been working to get – this is a true story about the 50 officers that were murdered by the Nazis towards the end of World War II they, who escaped. And they, it was it was an incredible – and it was John Sturgis directed probably the greatest guy movie ever, The Great Escape. And um, it's just an incredible – scene for scene, brilliant. And the, the, the guys, the British actors who were there uh, were making sure that everything was exact, the uniforms, everything perfect. And um, to, to the detail of what the the, the – the story was and and uh, and all the costumes and then Steve McQueen shows up, who's a movie star. He shows up and he wants to wear these slacks from the fifties and shoes from the fifties. Mm-hmm. And he said, "Well, this is what I want to wear." And they said, "You know, the other actors were furious. Like, what are you talking about? This doesn't look any. I mean, this is not from the fifties. This is this is a movie where we did everything. Where and you know, at the end of the and so they were furious at it. But at the end of the day, it didn't matter. He's a movie star. Let him play. Nobody wear. Nobody cared about the pants. Nobody cared about the shoes. And uh, he even added. He even got mad and said he was going to leave. He said, "There's no, there's no move, there's no part for me. Why am I even here? There's no part for me." And so um, they created an extra scene for him. Remember where he escapes and gets caught, so they can see how you know. And then the, the and and so they can see how far they can go and blah blah blah. And it was totally not needed for the the movie, but it still worked. You know, so you know the idea of of something that's exact. You know, either the story works or it doesn't work. So it's the same thing in Ferrari. Either its story is interesting or it isn't. You know, some actors are going to work harder at it. Like Joaquin Phoenix is a great actor no matter what. But it's nice when he played um, Johnny Cash. Would have been nice if he sang, if he knew how to sing, or if he had any talent at singing at all. Well, I, I think we should great we should hear him doing Napoleon just to see if I was missing <laughs> yeah. something. But he's the most famous Frenchman of all time. Right. Yeah. God affirm you on his throne. And Christ give you to rule with him in his eternal kingdom. Well, the guy has an accent, but that's like he's Roman or something because he's a bishop or something. Probably could have got him. I found the crown of France in the gutter. I picked it up with the tip of my sword and cleaned it and placed it atop my own head. That's an American accent. (laughs) Yeah. In the future, we could probably cut the guy with the thick accent at the beginning because it's flying against our point. A little it bit. is rough. That's rough. Mets but, you know, or, or Byron. But that's just a dude 
speaking English, right? It's, yeah, he's not even trying. He's not. He just, <laughs> Nobody he else said. spoke f- with a French accent either, uh, minus That's the rough. guy with the big accent at the beginning of the scene. It's but really tough. That wasn't to do French. A, a yes. world renowned, you know, somebody that everybody knows and you don't even try to do an accent. That's rough. Uh, but I think you got to give him such credit. I, I mean, he's still 20 years later. You're still thinking about when you're watching this movie, how great Gladiator was. You know? Oh, yeah. No, yeah. he's great. I just wonder if he went, fuck it. I'm not going to do this French accent. I don't want to spend the time trying to do the French accent. And then everyone around him got the marching orders of, well, you, you're, you're not, not doing, doing the French accent either. Otherwise, it's going to seem weird. So then- I think, I think th- that's tough, though, Adam, if I may interject. Yes. The, the thing is, you could look, you, he, he's not going to look silly or stupid if he doesn't do it. But if he comes in like this and says, oh, well, I am doing, I can't. <laughs> Happy Le Pew. Oh, I don't know. Ah. No, I think that's what he was thinking. But then it's weird because at some point they meet with the chancellor of Prussia or Germany or something like that. And he has to speak with a sort of German accent. So we know that he's the German chancellor. Which now we're in a weird no man's land because are people doing <laughs> accents or aren't they doing accents? I think Joaquin is just too pure, right? Like he's like, if I'm not actually speaking French, then why even bother? Right. I think he could have done it, but I got to tell you, I think it's a just like I think he practiced it. I guarantee you, and was like, oh, dude, I could talk like this, but then I could be like Pepe Le Pew, who recently canceled. So I'm not going to do it at all. Uh, I don't know. It's it's tough because you really could look foolish. And I think a lot of actors, I think uh, that's one of the biggie biggie things. Is like I don't want to look like an idiot here. Like I've already won an Academy Award. I'm not going down that road. And I, I'm just going to do this. And then the, the director has no power over big, big stars. When he says he's not going to do the accent, that's it. You know, unless you say, unless you're a bigger star director who say, you know what, well, then he's out. Well, then well, who do we get? Well, well then he's back in. Right. Well, then he's not going to do the accent. Okay, he's not doing the accent. I'm going to have I a lot of trouble stars. watching Napoleon and not just imagining Rob in that role with his French <laughs> his accent. Uh, let me tell you, the thing is, on the way back from Moscow, they burned everything, so everybody starved to death. That, that's an incredible book, by the way. Napoleon on, on the, the the ride back, uh, the retreat from Moscow, mm-hmm. coming back where they froze to death, and then they were just in a line, and the Cossacks were just wiping them out and just coming in and killing them. And uh, the interesting thing is they went to a restaurant when they did get back a restaurant. You know, they went to an inn where they were cooked and they hadn't eaten in a long, long time. And so they're all their uh, you know, digestive enzymes and everything was was shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they literally ate and then the food killed them. So oh, really? Like several like hundred in the show Survivor. Soldiers. Yeah, they just literally the, the stuff. Uh, their enzymes didn't work in the stomach, so everything in the stomach just just kind of rotted, and they just all died. <laughs> so there's a there's a town at the edge of uh, in, in uh, France on the outskirts of it where it was um, uh, there's hundreds of soldiers that were buried there because they ate and died right there. So it's a really it's a really rough book if you want to get the Napoleon retreat from um, from uh, from Moscow. Pepe really Le Pew great. was a, a great interesting conceit it was a super horny skunk Mm -hmm. who spoke with a french accent who was trying to fuck a cat because (laughs) the cat went under something that was a plank that was being painted and got a white stripe on its back they never really explained why peppy couldn't find another skunk (laughs) to rape 
but he now wanted to go intraspecies as well. It yep. was not only was he a rapist, but he was going outside of his own phylum raping. He was raping an, another animal that was that he didn't share any DNA it with. Was never, it was never consummated, though. I mean, he never, no, like, he tried. He, he got away. But can you imagine that that early Warner Brothers uh, meeting where they're like, I got one. <laughs> yeah. What is it? It's going to seem a little crazy, but it's a skunk. All right. Bang a cat. But the, he thinks the cat's a skunk. <laughs> well, what, why? Sorry. Why is he? Why does he think the cat's a skunk? Well, we'll figure that out. Then we'll oh, get okay. lost. Maybe he paints something. But the thing is, he's going to the, the the fun will be in the trying to bang and that uh, against her will. That's yeah. Gonna be- yeah. Now, does he have to try to fuck a cat? Couldn't he try to bang another skunk? Well, that's where the funny is. That's where the kids will love it because it's about it's 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 not the same. It's not a skunk. It's another species, and that is where the humor is. But don't. The don't I have a cat, and uh, and my son loves that cat, and uh, I feel like he might be traumatized if he saw his cat being raped. Hmm. Well, I, I think he's going to laugh so hard at the comedy, he's not going to get caught into the minutia of who's raping who. It's really what it is. It's about, uh, let me just go back to, it's a skunk, uh-huh. skunk. Horny skunk, horny uh, bang something that, and the fun is, it's not really a skunk. And what does the skunk have like a funny voice or something? Yes, it's funny, and he stinks, and the cat doesn't like how he stinks, and the cat, uh, and he tries to cat the cat, and he tries to be romantic with the cat. The, 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 the skunk's like from Brooklyn or something. No, he's from Paris, and he talks like this, and then he gets mon chéri, it's important. Uh, you know, he'll do the accent that um, that Joaquin Phoenix didn't do, which is yeah. another salient point. I don't, uh, I just don't picture skunks in Paris. You know what I mean? Like I think of baguettes and berets and mimes. Yeah, could we make them a horny mime or something? Mm-hmm. I think we go with skunk and see how it goes. Okay, so <laughs> for Parisian there, skunk. There, there, 40 years from now, we'll let people decide if that's too, if we've gone too far. All right. Um, can I pitch you one of mine as long as we're yeah, pitching yeah. cartoons? Uh, all right. I call it Jabba Jaw. It's a, it's a great white shark, but he walks upright on his fins, and he does the voice of Curly from the Three Stooges. You know, he goes, yeah, Jabba Jaw. <laughs> he just keeps saying Jabba Jaw uh, over and over. Does that sound funny? Well, does he try to bang a cat? Oh, no, no. This is a totally different animal idea. Oh. Yeah, he's not. There's no banging? Yeah, we got to storyboard this thing, but I, I'm pretty sure he's just, I just like the name Jabba Jaw. Jabba Jaw. <laughs> me, 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 me. And he's, you know, he's a, he's a great white shark, so everyone's scared of him. You, you know what I mean? But he's got a heart of gold. And, uh. You know, his name is Jabba, and you know, we do Jaw, like, you know, Jaws. You know, that was yeah. a great white shark. And and we rip off, you know, one of the Three Stooges voices, you know, or maybe we do Groucho Marx or Scatman Crothers or something like that. But, you know, once again, Jabba Jaw. Jabba. I think if we put some interspecies sex, I'm in. Uh-huh. Yeah, he needs to bang something. How many decades did did the the French skunk – uh, uh, trying to have sex with uh, this cat against her will. That that just, that crossed for like, it didn't become a problem until 50 years later. Yeah, introduced oh, no. in 45. Introduced in 45. 
And then uh, canceled in the 2019 Space Jam. Remember, the scene was deleted. Oh, uh, yeah. Because Pepe Le Pew um, encouraged rape culture. We didn't mind... uh, We didn't mind... uh, Oh, God. What was was the mech? Speedy Gonzalez. Uh Speedy Gonzalez was the Hispanic... And and he had a sidekick who was super lazy and Mexican and napping, napping all the time. We that's how we did it. We just took a stereotype and we ran with it, and nobody nobody said anything for forty years. And then at some point, people in their fifties got retroactively upset over this thing that nobody cares about, and so we canceled it. And somehow decided that would make a difference. All right, Rob Schneider's hanging out. He's in Denver, Colorado. I got a lot more stuff to bring up with you, Rob, and we'll do it right after this. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Not every family or community does gifts this time of year. So whether you're into getting the gifts or giving the gifts or not doing it, I have a gift idea you should give yourself. A little something called peace of mind. Something Something that therapy definitely helps with. Or just treat yourself to a day where you just relax and enjoy the holidays and then get on to the work of life. But use BetterHelp. I love therapy. Always been a big fan of fit therapy. And this is a really convenient, inexpensive way to do therapy. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, convenient, flexible as well. Just fill out a brief questionnaire. You'll get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists anytime at no additional charge. Take care of yourself in this new year with better help, right, Dawson? In the season of giving, give yourself what you need with better help. Visit betterhelp.com slash Corolla today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Corolla. Whenever I'm in bed with my wife and I can't sleep, I just start, you know, grabbing a little bit. You know, it's a little bit. A little grab. You know, you know I'm, 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 I'm hoping one day she might go, oh, you know, that's a good idea. <laughs> anyway, so I'm grabbing a little bit. And I notice, you know, it feels a little softer than what I'm used to. A little bit, you know. But I th- I'm not going to judge. Maybe she took a hot bath. I don't know. Whatever, you know. But her breasts also felt similarly off, you know. And I thought to myself, you know, there's a chance this is not my wife. So I got out of bed, and I ran back to the bedroom, and I saw my wife in there, asleep in a chair. And I said, honey, wake up, wake up. She goes, what? What is it? What is it? I said, honey, I think I may have molested your mother. So, <laughs> she pushed right by me. She's one of the, mom, why didn't you say anything? And her mom said, you know I don't talk to that idiot. Rob Schneider is on the Adam Carolla Show. Rob Schneider's in Denver, Colorado. I imagine, are you doing shows out there? Yeah, Adam Sandler and I are doing a show uh, tonight. At, uh, the last one, we had a fun tour on and off and uh, of uh, for the last three months. And this is the last one right here in Denver. And Denver's great. Great, you know. It's yes. a great comedy audience. You've been out here. It's the Denver's best. great. Uh, Adam, nicest guy in the world. Oh, yeah. He's unbelievable. I mean, he's a guy like, you know, if, when I'm on the road just by myself, he checks in on me. Go, How'd the show go last night? Did you have three or two? You know, he's one of those <laughs> incredible, like, uh, he's like, you know, your, your Jewish aunt who's checking up on you, making sure you're eating <laughs> enough and stuff like that. He's just that, that lovely, sweet guy who um, 
And it's uh, it, it, if you get a chance to see that wonderful uh, show about uh, the Mark Twain Award, mm-hmm. the incredible stories of, of all the friends and everybody he checks in on and was worked with. And he's just, uh, I don't know if anybody like him in the history of show business. No, he's a, a very good example of, well, Jimmy Kimmel's a little that way. Give a lot to a lot of people and you'll ha- always have this dedicated galaxy of people around you who will just do anything for you. And, you know, Adam Sandler's an an interesting guy because when he first launched that big Netflix deal, I believe it was maybe 10 years ago or eight years ago or whatever, whatever it was, I was like, is he just going to make another schlock, you know, string of sort of schlocky films where he's pretending to be his sister and uh, Al Pacino wants to bang him like Pepe Le Pew or something? <laughs> I, I, I did. I had this thing where I was like, this guy is a wonderfully creative talent and he's doing this kind of sophomoric hackneyed stuff. And how long is this going to go on? And the second I announced that, he just started turning toward these great roles and great material and showing his bona fides as a serious actor. And it just completely turned the ship around. In I, you know, I always saw that in him. And I said, because you can't do – comedy has to have drama in it or it's unwatchable. And drama has to have comedy or, or, right. or it's unbearable. Right. And he always had both. And but he did like the Sandy Wexler movie is great. It uh-huh. just captures the nineties, it's funny, it's it's fun. And then the movie Hustle mm, is just awesome. Perfectly great movie. Right. And you see him in Uncut Gems. Right. It, you just go and I think the best movie of all that he's done is a new one that hasn't come out yet, directed by um uh, uh Jonah Rank, who's a, a terrific director, Swedish director, who did the that series uh Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. And it really is. I got a chance to 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 see it because I, I made Adam show me, um, and it's uh, called Spaceman. And really, what it's about, in my opinion, it's about alienation. And the best way to show that is out in space. But it's really it is a metaphor for what what alienation exists and what you can go through and what people how they alienate themselves by not really interacting with other human beings and connecting with people in their personal relationships and how you can go through your life not connecting and it's a beautiful it's i mean it's an adult movie for you know in a sense of what it's intellectually going for but it's like how great is that you know how great to be able to make that so i he really is at another level now and i just hope he continues to push himself and it's it for as as his you know best buddy i just i'm so proud of him and it's just great to see him do it and it's a beautiful movie it's one of those movies that you'll really appreciate because you're at the same place it's like you know what does it all mean what what did it all what did I, what this 30 years for what he you know? may get netflix next year netflix next year he may March. get an academy award before it's all said and done i think this one if he's not nominated for this then they don't even count not that they count anyway you not know, it's anymore like, but used to, be, used to be 100 million people remember before the academy awards in the 70s when they were really our academy awards yeah like you had barbara walters interview sean connery and was, you know or, or you had whoever was nominated that year yeah it was like 100 you watched with your parents and like this is amazing and now it's just now, now that they're the Academy Awards is saying you have to have forty percent in LBGQ plus handicapped. I'm sorry, people uh, challenged, emotionally challenged people. Yes. It's um, 
it kind of like people have checked out because they realize that this really isn't the best anymore. It's just it's it's just how far they could suck up to uh, this this particular uh, ideology of of idiocy, and yes. and I just think it turns people off. It turns me off. I, I haven't watched in years. Well, I've said it a million times. I've been railing about this for a long time. I, I feel like the chickens are kind of coming home to roost, but. When you start introducing question marks into people's heads, that's when the franchise is over. So when you go, you know, you just see this latest kerfuffle with the president of Harvard, you know, and you go, oh, black female. Hmm. Was she the most qualified for that? The second that thought enters your head and it has to now. Because they foisted it on us. Like they said, Joe Biden said, if you're not black and a female, then you need not apply for the second most important position in the world, which is vice president of the United States. You need not apply. And then we went, oh, so maybe Kamala Harris isn't the most qualified to do this. And then she made all our nightmares come true by being horrific at her job (laughs) and then setting the movement back. 25 years. But when you start, I've said it, forget it. Let's, let's get out of race for a second, but it's, it's all true. When you see the black female who runs Harvard there, you go, is she the best and the brightest? Was she the (laughs) The smartest? Whatever. Right. The only way you could have gotten that even better is if after her testimony, she wheeled herself out on a wheelchair. Ah, she's black. (laughs) And find out later, she's also a lesbian. So she's black. She's a woman. She's handicapped right. and but a lesbian. You, at all quadrants. You, you hurt the. You hurt your franchise. So when the Academy Awards goes, look, we're going to have forty percent of this group uh, represented, yeah. and we need X amount of handicap and X amount of gay and lesbian represented. Then we as watchers go, is that really then the best film? Is is Moonlight the best film of the year, or are you guys doing this? But forget about race. Let's just say. You're watching the NFL, and and I always say, you know, that's the meritocracy. Sports is the meritocracy, and that's why we're all secretly and unknowingly attracted to sports. Like, what is the universal attraction to sports? Well, when the Seattle defense goes out there and there's 10 black guys and one white guy on the defensive side of the ball, we don't start breaking it up into race. We just go, I guess those are the— 11 best guys on this team, which you definitely do not do with politics or certainly all the award shows now, or even, even when Rolling Stone is going to come out with their top 200 guitarists and (laughs) the top of the list is Joan Baez or something. And and you're like, no, come on, not better than Stevie Ray Vaughan. Come on. So you've ruined your franchise and, if, if they did this in sports, like yeah. if, if they went, well, the coach for the Rams, uh, Sean McVay, has uh, decided to start his son, Larry McVay, at quarterback today. And then Larry went back there and threw like three pick sixes and they went into the locker room and then they came back out and they went, uh, Sean, daddy coach is going to stick with Larry in the second half. You'd be going, oh, come on. Oh, come on. And you would quickly stop watching sports. You would quickly, I would be a Rams fan and I'd go, you know what? I'm not going to sit around and watch a guy probably shouldn't have made the team, but just because he's the coach's son, he got tapped as a starter. You've ruined, 
or middle linebacker. Like it doesn't yeah. after watching that guy getting pancaked by a couple of running backs, like you you would immediately lose faith. It's tainted. In it. It would be tainted and you would stop paying attention and then viewership would go down dramatically. <laughs> and money would go down. You right. see the thing is when, when it is about when it's all about winning, then all the race and everything goes out the window because it's about winning. Whatever it takes to win. That's why there's no Filipinos in the NBA. Okay? Right. Because Filipinos, the, the incredible nurses, you can't go into a hospital in the world without them. And you'll be no. lucky if you get them because they're usually doctors as well as the doctors in the Philippines. Which you get a nurse, blah, blah, blah. But that's why you better be nice to Filipinos. Can I, can I say this, though? Half black ones are. If yeah. I ran a Filipino hospital, yeah, I would hire one heavyset black woman to be the lead nurse just to see the look on everyone's <laughs> face who turned the corner. Yes, <laughs> I'm your nurse. I just have to go, <laughs> What? It doesn't. But here's how it is. So it's about winning. Then everything goes out the window because you got to do about winning. Uh, but it, but that's why it's in, in academia. It really is not about winning. So it's really about like positioning yourself to how you look. And that's why you have like the the Harvard professor who was a plagiarist, supposedly, according to Christopher Rufo, um, yes. that she she plagiarized her her doctorate. And um but it, that's why it's like in your – a friend of mine, Peter Boghossian, was it, it, the great professor, Peter Boghossian, great guy. He was telling me that when they was doing an interview uh, for – he was the head of the philosophy department up in Portland uh, at the university there. When he said that they the, were interviewing another associate professor for a job, the first thing the associate professor came in and says, I am from, I am from Peru and I am a homosexual. Mm, good. Like that was like – not like what you've studied, not what right. you taught, not what you're using. Right. It's like if you hire me, you get the two things: right, Peru and homosexual. Yeah, two, you check off and a reach around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, also, how long is it going to take people before they start figuring it out and gaming the system and doing all that? I mean, you you have kids. I mean, we always talk about Brad Williams. You know his. Daughter is a, a little person and she's half Asian. So he's like, she's getting in any college she wants, you know? And it's like, you laugh, but you only laugh at things that are true. That was confusing. Like she said, ah, she's a full sized Asian. So she's going to get in any college. You go, what? That doesn't, confusing, that yeah. doesn't make sense, you know? So yes. People, I mean, Liz, Elizabeth Warren is claiming she's, you know, Navajo. I mean, for a reason. Like, right. it's going to happen. It's totally destructive. It needs to be eliminated. And it really needs to be eliminated, not for old heterosexual white guy, Rob Schneider and Adam Carolla, who are set in their yeah. ways, yeah. which is a euphemism for racist. Not for us. It's for the young black Harvard student to walk across the quad without white people going, I bet he's not here because he had the highest SAT scores. That's the victim in this. Yeah, well, you have a, a you, as soon as the meritocracy goes out the window, we have to get back to the fact that life isn't fair. You could want to be a player in the NBA. You could want to play, uh, you could want to be, uh, you know, to get into medical school. But to get into medical school for some other reason than you are the most qualified to to do surgery or eye surgery or brain surgery for any other reason that has to go out the window and that's not anything to do with being fair so we have to get this idea that life isn't fair and that there's not going to be the same opportunities for everybody there just isn't well and, and 
It's not even the same equalities of outcome in the same family. There's one black African-American astronaut who was a famous astronaut, and he was at 4.5 in all the way through college. And just an incredible human being. Oh, yeah. Pluto Nash. I know the dude. (laughs) This guy. You made a movie about him, yeah. Yeah. He was an astronaut. This guy. He was a real astronaut at NASA, and his brother was a heroin addict. Mm -hmm. Same family. Yeah. Both parents lived in the house and both. It's just it's a difference of outcome. You can't guarantee the same outcome. Listen, uh, here's what it does. Here's what it's going to do. And here's what can't be helped. Um, There's been stories over the last couple of years. I think it was a United Airlines. Maybe it was American Airlines or maybe it was both of them that said, look, we're going to start taking 50 percent black female, you know, into the pilots program and blah, blah, blah. And of course, our impulse is I just want the best pilot. Like, uh, I want a guy with some military history. I mean, I do not want the program to be serving a certain group. I want the most qualified and the best and the most deserving pilots ever. Hold on. It went viral. Sorry. Oh, it did. So I got on a flight a week ago, and it was an American Airlines flight, and I was in first class, and I just walked in, and I do what you always do. You glance into the cockpit because the door's open, and there's a black woman sitting in the pilot seat, and I gave a, I gave a beat, like, oh, shit. Like, mm-hmm. is she the most qualified, or is this part of their program that they're testing me out on? Uh, she was the co-pilot. The point is, is I'm sure she was qualified. You put this idea in my head, and now I did something I didn't want to do, which is at 8.15 in the morning, stepping on a flight, glancing in, seeing a woman of color sitting in the cockpit. I went, oh, it was like a minute of, oh, shit. And then it was like, okay, okay, that's all right, or something. But I don't want to have that thought. That's what I'm saying. Yes. What what happened is is you have now um, this idea (laughs) <laughs> that now is in your head and in everybody's head. And it's also, it's happening. I had so many pilots come up to me. I can't even get on a plane anymore without them thanking me for the thing I said about United Airlines because the whole idea is like, hey, I'm sorry, uh, this is your your captain speaking. We're going to have to do another lap to go <laughs> around. Uh, we, we I wasn't able to do that last landing. But I want to thank everybody for contributing to diversity right. and equity and inclusion and to have your pilot. We don't want that. You don't want that. And it, there's a medical school in the Bahamas. If you cannot go to school and get into a good medical school, you go to the Bahamas and you can get become a doctor. That's not a doctor you want operating on your foot, you know, right. on your colon and anywhere. So it's a um, – th- that's what happens. And that's why like I was so surprised. Like I know you guys talked about it yesterday a little bit, but the, the MIT and the UPenn and the Harvard professor, to be so ineloquent and does not be able to, to, to really explain what the issue was. The issue is it's a horrible thing and it is harassment and it is bullying to say, you know, the elimination of uh, of Israel. And, and however, but what, what they should have gone down to, that's absolute bullying, absolutely horrible. And we can't put up with that on campus. But the bigger issue is horrible speech, the speech that everyone hates and is loathing and loathsome and absolutely horrendous is the speech that needs to be protected. Now, now that is the, the I, I couldn't believe that you had three university high level professors of extremely Presidents, highly yeah. educated. That presidents, eloquently, yeah. president that could not eloquently state that point, who had no uh, who weren't able to just look at the uh, the constitutionally protected uh, right of free speech. Horrible they, speech. But as I explained in the show, they 
they could have. They were just arguing with a bitch. And they <laughs> dug in and became women first and professors and presidents <laughs> second. And you look at the face of the president. You can watch footage of the face of the president from Harvard. She's she's smirking a little. She's a little sing-songy. Yeah. It's like, you're not going to mm. tell me what to say, bitch. And that's exactly what that's exactly what happened. And anytime you've ever seen two women sort of go at it a little bit, you'll see the same face. You'll see the same. It was a little condescending, a little sing songy with a little smirk. And they teamed up. Like, and they and they, they joined. I don't know. Maybe they all have their period on the same week or something. <laughs> but all three of them synced up. And they were like, look, we're all super leftist, dedicated bitches, right? Yes. All right. There's some stuck-up Republican bitch who's going to try to – she's going to try to fucking put words in our mouth. We're not going to let her. Fuck off. That's what that was. Wow. But the, the first one that went down was the white woman. She oh, went. yeah. She's going. She was expendable. They're going to defend uh, the uh, Harvard one yeah. because she, she's got two things. She's black and a woman. So they're going to defend that. That's It's going to take – it's going to be harder to take that down because that makes them look bad, like they're giving in. Yeah. It's easy to get rid of the white UPenn professor uh, – the president – yeah, and by the way, when they say get rid of, see, she's tenured. Oh, She'll yeah, just yeah. go into some other faculty position. She's she's not going to get a paycheck interrupted or anything. You know, we we look at fired. We look at fired like I think regular guys have a look of fired like like when Fred Flintstone would get fired from the quarry. You know what I mean? Yeah. These people <laughs> don't get fired. They sort of fall up or fall over. They just get silenced and they lose their placard on their on their door. But they still get their full paycheck and go move oh, yeah. into some other cushy lounge of the, of the school. Um, on another completely separate thought. I don't know if you do much cooking, Rob. Yeah. You do. Oh, I like cooking. but I don't know how to cook that many things, but thankfully to the internet, you can just, how do I cook, um, you know, this Chinese duck? Do you Peking cook duck. any of your mom's old old native dishes? Well, my wife has figured out like, you know, chicken adobo, which is the go-to. Mm. Chicken so adobo. Tell, so me, good... tell me what you think of this, because I realize we're so dumb. I, I've been screaming for a long time about why is the word push and the word pull the same amount of letters and start with the same two letters and on every door where people are not paying attention and walking with purpose, but they mean the opposite thing, right? We're dumb. It yeah. it should say push and yank, but it doesn't. It, it sounds it sounds like the same word and two million times a day people pull it when they should be pushing. Okay. I hate it. I was I was driving to see this Ferrari doc and now Dawson or Byron you gotta you gotta find this. There's a street in Hollywood right next to Orange Avenue as you come down Franklin, but it was called, it's called like Ornick or something like that. And I was like in traffic and looking at my ways. And I was like, do I turn left on, oh, turn left on Orange and 450 feet. And I'm looking up at a street that looks like Orange, but it's not. It's Ornick or something like that. And I was like, don't confuse us. Don't put these two things so close to one another. Here, Here's the one that drives me nuts. I was trying to cook my grandfather Laszlo's 
old recipe of chicken paprikash the other day. Great Hungarian dish. And I was going all in on chicken paprikash. And I was yeah. following the recipe closely. And it was involved. It was a very involved. And, you know, it's a lot of like half cup of onion, full cup of this, full cup of chicken broth, half cup of rice or whatever it is. Then it gets down to the teaspoon and the tablespoon, mm. which both sound very close to one another. And my brain doesn't do the teaspoon. One should be called big and the other should be called small or whatever it is. 32 times I had to go back to the online thing. Is that... Yeah, they asked for a t- no. They asked for a tablespoon of paprika. Oh no, a teaspoon of paprika. I had to keep of salt, a pepper, teaspoon, teaspoon, <laughs> tablespoon, tablespoon, teaspoon, Too half a similar. tablespoon. Too fucking close. Couldn't separate in the brain. <laughs> Need a different name. Yeah. Need a different name. Also, I don't really inherently know the difference between a teaspoon and a tablespoon. Although a tablespoon's a lot bigger. Tablespoon. But the spoons on my table are the same ones I would use to stir the tea with. So I don't. Oh, you you need another word for teaspoon and or tablespoon. Or you can keep one of them. If you have like the difference between a teaspoon of cloves and a tablespoon of cloves is a you got to order in after that. Yeah, right. That's my point. And the point (laughs) is, is I wouldn't rely on my memory. I would read the thing. And then 20 minutes later, I'd go. It called for a teaspoon of pop. Oh, no. Was it a tablespoon? Oh, I got to go back and check on online. I don't like it. We need to swap out teaspoon and tablespoon, and we're going to switch out push and pull. And if I was ever an elected official, that would be the first plank on my platform. I'd like, look, people, I know we you got know a homeless problem, but I know we're going to war with the Russians, and I realize what's going on. But let's start here. Well, you know when you you go to a country and there's like they're like, please look to your left. It would be so nice if you looked left, you know. Yeah. And then you go to like Germany and said, out oh, death, left is death. You know, mm. they're a little more direct. Mm. You know, they mm-hmm. they don't they're not as kind about like you know, uh, you know they're, they're literally like you're on a train in Germany. They just like it's like a dead person if you lean. They just show like a dead guy. Like, ah, you know. Oh, all right. Orchid Street is 250 feet from Orange. Yeah. Street. O-R, O-R. But when it's at night and you're driving and you're just looking at your phone and you're looking up. Unprotected left. Yes. I'm just saying, spread them. I, there should be an orange and there should be an orchid. They shouldn't be 150 feet from one another. It's got to be a thousand times a week people grabbing, Uber drivers just grabbing a left on the wrong, <laughs> on the wrong goddamn street. After that street is Oracle. It's also yes. just next street. The... Yeah, the other comedy is I went and saw this movie at the Dolby screening, the Dolby screening theater off of Vine. But I just typed in Dolby Theater Hollywood, which is a quarter mile. That's across the street from Kimmel's. Yeah, that's where they have all the big movie premieres. That's where it took me. That's that's where I ended up going. Right. Instead of the screening That's where room. most people would go. But yes. Yeah, so yeah, again, when that happens to me, when that happens to me I, I just go to that place. I just deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> there wouldn't be a good chance Ferrari would be showing there. Oh, What's one more else? in that in that realm. I was watching TMZ a few weeks ago, and ASAP Rocky, the rapper, who's that? Somebody's husband or boyfriend? ASAP Rocky, ASAP Rocky, Rocky. 
Rihanna. Is Rihanna's husband, right? Yeah. ASAP or partner. Rocky pulled out a gun and fired it at his longtime friend ASAP Rally. But TMZ didn't stop and go, those are fake names. His real name is James Baldwin or something. They just went, ASAP Rocky shot at Cornell APD at ASAP Rally. And I was like, how, what are the chances they both be named ASAP? And then, and they were saying it fast. They were going like, ASAP Rocky shot at ASAP Rally. And I was like, he shot into a mirror? No, he shot, he shot at his partner, right. his childhood friend, ASAP Rally. ASAP Rocky ASAP shot Rally. at ASAP Rally? Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, now, first off. move on with your life. Let's just give on. me his first name. Give me his Christian name, the guy he shot at. <laughs> because I don't know who ASAP Rally is, and this is confusing, and you're not telling yeah. me anything about this. And did he shoot him because he stole his name? <laughs> like, the same initials? Yeah, you're, you're creating so much more questions. Well, well, ASAP Rally's real name is what? You can, you can find oh. it. We hey, don't. That's what happens, Adam. That's what happens when the news, when they're just, just going through stuff and they're not thinking. Mm-hmm. There's no thinking. Though. They just read it. Like there was a beautiful thing that happened. And I think you might remember about this. Maybe it's 12, 15 years ago now where there was an Asiana uh, airline that uh, had a, uh, a, a minor crash. And, um, they, and someone called the news channel at the local CBS. And oh, said, that well, one. That was beautiful, but it was like um, we have the pilots. I'm from the uh, the, uh, the the national safety uh, air airline safety board, and they said and that the pilots, the Chinese pilots, was uh, one we too low. Right, right. I remember that. Yeah, okay, yeah. bang, ding, ow. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Navigator Wang Chung tonight was yeah. there. <laughs> and then my favorite was uh, Bing Dang Ow, and then the the. Um, uh, we, uh, the captain, we too low or, um, well, you got to look that up. We yeah. Although low. I think people no, died no, 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 in captain that crash. Captain something Wong. Yes. <laughs> oh, right. That's right. Yeah. All right. We so too low, bang, ding, ow. ASAP <laughs> Rally's real name is Terrell Efron. Okay. So TMZ, you can say ASAP Rocky shot at his childhood friend Terrell Efron. Because nobody knows ASAP Rocky anyway. That's my point. You can't just power. I'm old. I'm white. I'm not down. I'm not hip with it. The kids are listening <laughs> to you. You just shot. You just powered through two guys named ASAP with the last name that sounded almost the same as the other one. Right. Take a beat. You have to please show that clip of that woman in, in, in San Francisco News Channel. <laughs> Bang, ding, ow. Oh, it's can, out there. Oh, yeah. Oh. Let's find yeah, that. But and then, uh, they classic viral clips. But I think yeah. people died in that crash. I don't think I don't think it was a minor thing. I think that's that was the rub. Well, Rob, can you hang out and do some news with yeah, us? All right, I'll, I'll tell you. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll play that clip, and we'll do it with Rob <laughs> right after this. Meter. Well, the holidays are here. We get to stuff our faces and we get to shop. And there's a must-have tool for your cooks on your list this year. It's the perfect gift. It's Meter. It's the smart meat thermometer. Tracks the temperature of your meat and lets you know when it's ready to come out of the oven, out of the smoker, air fryer, off the grill. Wherever you put that meat, meter's going to tell you when it's ready to go. Um, I think a lot of people overcook, especially like poultry and pork and things like that. And then it gets dried out. Don't worry about it with meter. And 
You won't worry about undercooking or overcooking. You'll get it just right. I mean, you got the holiday turkey, you got the prime rib. Also, Meter comes with cloud service for limitless range. So you can monitor while you're cooking, but you're inside watching TV, not standing under a smoky barbecue. Or you can run to the store, make a beer run. Either way, it's all on the cloud. You got it on your smartphone. Perfect tool for holiday cooking and the perfect gift. It's Meter, right, Dawson? Shop Meter.com for the best kitchen tool out there and make this season stress-free. Use it for your holiday cooking or start shopping for your Christmas gifts. That's M-E-A-T-E-R.com. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. Every fucking time I throw a party on a Saturday night, Sunday morning I have to get up and empty 2,600 fucking beers that I swear no one's even taken a fucking draw off of. You know that thing where you're just dumping beer and you're like, there are people in Africa who aren't even buzzed right now. Sorry, I get emotional. I do. It's Christmas time. The season when we get real drunk At Christmas time We get fucked up and then up chuck And at our office parties Nail interns in the copy room Throw up in potted plants At Christmas time But when you drink Drink a drink for the Africans At Christmas time You get shit-faced Meanwhile they have none There's a world across the ocean A world without wine or beer Where the only buzz they have Is the flies around their ears And the Schneider hanging in with us very generously from Denver's doing his last show with Sandler tonight, which must be a fun, fun way to do the road. Um, 
Rob, here's something I wrote down a few weeks ago, and I just thought you would probably enjoy the analogy. And then we have the, uh, well, let's do the plane crash news story first, just to satisfy that requirement, and then I'll, then I'll do this. Coroner is still trying to determine the cause of death and whether she was already dead when the truck hit her. We have new information now also on the plane crash. KTVU has just learned the names of the four pilots who were on board the flight. They are Captain Sum Ting Wong, Wee Tu Lo, Ho Li Fook, and Bang Ding Ao. The NTSB has confirmed these are the names of the pilots on board flight 214 when it crashed. We are working to determine exactly what... Yeah, not a lot of vetting going on. Three producers fired after that. Um, really? Yeah. Awesome. Holy Fook. Holy Fook. <laughs> he might have been one of them. Um, so here's an analogy I thought you might you might like, because I, I know how much you hate Gavin Newsom, of course. I hate Gavin Newsom. All, all the... All the right thinking, I don't mean right side of the aisle, just normal thinking people in Los Angeles and in the world, California, the nation, they just hate Gavin Newsom because his policies are horrible. Um, But I was thinking now he wants to run for president and, you know, he's denying it, but he's out there making the rounds. It looks like he's going to do it. And um, so I was sort of laughing that, you know, he screwed up California. It may may not be fixable. And now he's he's going to franchise this. So he basically yeah. took, you know, we let him manage a small taco stand. He ruined the taco stand. And now he says, I want to franchise. I want to I want to I want to open yeah. franchises and see if I can do that. And the, the analogy I was thinking about was in the uh, let's see. In the the movie with Gordon Gecko and Charlie Sheen, I want to Wall say Street. Wall Street. Yeah, in Wall Street, uh, Gordon Gecko gets hold of like young Charlie, and he goes, "All right, you want to do? You want to work with me? You want to be in my organization? You want to make stuff happen? Fine. Uh, here's a hundred grand to play around with. Let me see what you can do with this hundred grand. You know, and then Charlie." takes the hundred grand or maybe it was 200 grand or maybe it was 50 grand. I don't remember. But, but the point is, it's the old boss man said, here's some cash. Yeah. Go invest it. Let's see how smart you are. Let's see what you can do with this. And if you can turn my hundred grand into 250 grand, then yeah, I'll let you come into my company and you can work with more money this time. What would be the equivalent of that with Gavin Newsom? You know what I mean? Like you took over a state that was a shining beacon on top of a hill and you've ruined it. If you were Gordon Gecko, would you let him into the organization and give him more money? Because that's essentially the ask for Gavin Newsom. If you hated if you hated the country, oh yeah. If you wanted to turn the country into poverty, where like, you know, basically you and your friends would have a gated community with real guards, not just, you know, like a, a one Filipino guy, you know, and, and guarding our little community. If you had if you really needed that and if you wanted to, um, it, then you would also let the borders open so that because you weren't you didn't have enough. Workers. Oh, so you're saying if Gordon Gecko hated money, then he would hire <laughs> Gavin Newsom to work in his yeah. organization. If he hated his country and wanted it to go under for some other devious reason, or maybe he was going to make money and short his own company, then uh, you do it. 
All right. All right, Chris, what do you got with the news, by the way? Uh, so Jennifer Aniston is facing some backlash right now. Mm-mm. Um, and it's her, she, so she, uh, John Hamm is going to be on the morning show, that yeah. Apple TV show, and uh-huh. they, they have a romance, and there's some intimate scenes. Mm-hmm. And so Jennifer was talking about doing these scenes with John Hamm. She's like, I've known him for a long time, so they asked if we wanted an intimacy coordinator. Uh-huh. Which um which actually some productions are requiring, right? It's mandatory to have the intimacy coordinator, mm-hmm. especially after all the Me Too stuff, um, which is just like somebody who supervises, maybe choreographs everything, makes sure not only the actors but everyone on the crew feels comfortable, safe. That'd be a sweet gig for me. Oh, oh yeah. Intimacy coordinator. How would you go I'm about ready it? I'm to go right now. I'd probably I'd grab have her ass. Grab her ass. I'd have to All have right, now the I, All right. right. Just like one of those CPR dummies, you'd need a big sex doll, right? Because you'd have to <laughs> illustrate, you know. Like you're allowed to touch her with your hands, but you can't lick your finger first. You know, I mean like things like that. This right. is a no fly zone. I just I'd need I need to illustrate it on a sex doll. I right, think, number one. And uh, then, you know, I'd have to talk about techniques for not getting wood. You know, because that's a, that's a very real issue. That's a if skill. You're, if you're going to be on top of Jennifer Aniston, you know, for an extended period of time, there's yeah. going to be wood in your future. So what, what tips would you give? That is a real heterosexual test for male, <laughs> for male actors. Yeah. Well, I it, it, for me, it'd be person to person. Like, you know, I wouldn't. You know, I'd I'd say to John Hamm, like, what are some things you dislike? What 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 upsets you? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What Woody are- Allen said baseball. You know, like a, you know, I would think you know, he did that whole routine about like, you know, Willie McCovey's up to bat and Willie Mays is on first base. You know, and he he steals second and then yeah. uh, baseball is a classic one, right? And, like, but if you love baseball, you may get more wood from thinking about <laughs> yeah, about baseball. Contract. You know, you know what I mean? So I would find. For me, I think about soccer. You know, <laughs> even women's soccer would, would be a boner yeah, killer. A tie for, in soccer. For me. Well, isn't, this, isn't this day and age now with, with this such available pornography that, like, I don't think you need to go, get into a scene that heavily. I think you, you start and you, you, you pan to the clothes on the floor. You come back, it's over. I mean, otherwise, everybody knows it's fake. It's not really happening. So I, I don't understand what, what the – why Hollywood still enlists, still thinks there's... Oh, something. they got to have, for insurance purposes, right. they have to have everyone. I Oh, I would probably... No, why they have sex at all? The, why the, the fake sex? That's I would, what I'm talking about. I would probably recommend they rub one out before they hit the set. You know, take a little starch out of that sale. Yeah, you know, I would do it in a delicate way. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but I would suggest that... Uh, you know, they fire a load off so that their gun doesn't go off in the bed. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I would like to see you in your refractory period. Also, though, you probably couldn't act if you're in your refractory period. Like, <laughs> she'd be like, on tell me the 10 things you love most about me, Adam. I don't know. Your ass is blocking Sports Center, sweetie. Can we just cut, cut? No, this you're really into her, Adam. Okay, she's okay. What do you want? I'm not Lawrence Olivier over yeah. here. I'm a decent actor. You can't I was on the that. board when they decided this about having an intimacy, the Screen Actors Board, which was, uh-huh. I got to tell you, 
a, a gigantic waste of 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 hours and hundreds. Oh, of hours. that's all it is. That's all. <laughs> it just. I mean, the, these people. I mean, the people on the board. You, you've never recognized most of the people. There are some good people on there. Like Elliot, you know, Elliot Gould is a great guy, and Isai Morales, and um, but most of these people you've never heard of. They've, they've never been in anything. They've just literally. That's their show business because they don't get invited to the Academy Awards or these board meetings. Right. They're such a bore. And before the strike, you should know this. But uh, at that. Uh, they kicked me out because uh, after you know because I don't live in the same city and I was the only guy kicked out for that reason. But they, you know what they were arguing about before? They weren't talking about what the strike was really about and what there was hold the holdups for. They there was a two hour meeting. They were an hour late, and for fifty minutes of the one hour meeting that was supposed to be two hours, they talked about the strike lines and whether to have single. Let's not have single purpose plastic bottles because that's wasteful right let's just like and they said should we get like a jug and they said what do you mean like like in the coal miner days we had a jug of water and so these are you know a bunch of goofballs <laughs> but I, I do think i understand that the intimacy thing because i think you have to i mean it, it, if it could be really uncomfortable anything you could do to make it i mean sure. i would need one i don't want to have to be uncomfortable in that i had to do a scene where i'm in bed with a girl just just kissing her a little bit on her neck and i said like i don't want to get in this is it you know <laughs> And like, ee. so I said, I, I would wear, I would, I want two intimacy coaches. Right. Mm. Yeah. Rob played a gigolo in That's two right. movies. Did, so she got into trouble for what reason? Well, so she said, um, we don't need the intimacy coordinator because uh, she, I'm quote from the olden days. So when someone asks if Just you're that. okay, I'm like, please, this is awkward enough. Uh-huh. And. Uh, a lot of people online are upset that she didn't want it, that she says that, oh, when someone asks if you're okay, that's what the intimacy coordinator does. They, like, what? what about the crew? What about everybody else feeling safe? What's our relationship with Jennifer Aniston? I feel like we love her, Legend. but we're trying to bust her all the time. Like every six months, we're trying to bust her on something, but yet we love her. Like, well, what is it? She's clickbait. That's all. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's she's a wonderful person. Yes, and very lovely actress. And um, but the thing is, she, she, there's a fascination about her. So anytime anybody could get her, her picture or any story, that's it's just you know, it's those guys. They have to do a hundred stories to make a, make enough to make a living in their mother's basement. So they they got to do the whole thing. Um, <laughs> she was trying to go for a joke, obviously. It's tough being on those shows and promoting. You know, you've told all the stories already. You've been in the public eye for over 30 years. What do you got left? So we'll talk about an intimacy coach because at least that's new. Right. And uh, it's a misfire. She's trying to go for a joke, I think. That's but then, isn't there also kind of rumor about uh, John Hamhog? I would call him. I don't know if that's a there, rumor. There's definitely some pictures and stuff of him with a pretty big Some hog. gray sweats. Yeah, yeah man. <laughs> maybe his last name isn't really Ham. Maybe <laughs> in high school it. somebody <laughs> just saw that hog and went, you know what, Schmeckenberg? We're calling you, <laughs> we're calling you Ham now because I looked at your hog. Well, that is um, that's a good call. Just give me that for one hour. That's all I ask. Yeah. Just give me a, yeah. one hour. Let me enjoy that for one hour just to have that on, on my body for an hour. Uh, all, all right, so well, nobody cares. This nobody is clickbait. But, 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 but with all the Me Too stuff, too, I mean, Matt Lauer, so it was reported that he attended a wedding, yes. the same wedding as Savannah Guthrie. Yeah. Uh, six years after he was fired from the Today Show, and it looks like they, they were hugging it out. They were um, they were friends, and everything's working out. So like a lot of people are wondering, like, what what's going on here? Because Savannah was very upset about Matt. Remember mm-hmm. all the accusations? He was fired because of the uh, sexual allegations. Yes. And, uh, and it's accusations. tough when you see them at a party and you're drinking. Yeah. 
Right. Ah, just, come on. Just be... nah, it was six years ago. You're a rapist. Right. All right. Come over. Let's hug it out. Yeah. And what is Matt Lauer's one of the sort of poster child for me of doesn't do anything. So when he gets cut, he's gone. I don't know oh, what yeah. Matt Lauer's up to, but we're not yearning for more Lauer. No, no one wants to know what Lauer's take would be on, you know, this Ukraine situation or what's going on yeah. with Israel or the three college presidents. Like no one needs to know what Matt and, and is he just permanently out in the cornfield that he just make enough money and he's literally unemployable now and can't work. I mean, this is 65. I, he has a new girlfriend. Mm. And I don't even know, you know, he did get a little rail- railroaded because one of the women that he was accused of harassing was essentially harassing him. I think like calling him and doing booty calls and stuff like that. When, you know, everyone always goes, look, it doesn't matter. Like, okay, uh, call me old fashioned. But <laughs> if you accuse me of like, I force myself on a woman and she didn't want it, and I forced myself on her, and I had sexual relationships, a sexual relations with her, and she didn't want it. And then I then defended myself and said, look, let me show you a bunch of text of her the following day and uh, two years later hitting me up for booty calls and coming by my house and wanting to hang out. It's not neither here nor there. It makes a difference. And I know everyone goes, well, who cares? And now this. Sorry, if you live in the real world, that's going to factor in. And right. I think that was kind of his story. Right. So he's I a, think we're going back to Pepe Le Pew now. That's right. Ah. <laughs> um, so he's, he's up there with like, like Don Lemon. is just well, Yeah, Don Lemon will never be heard of. Again, Tucker Carlson's you're going to hear from. They both got fired on the same week. Everyone wanted to know what Don Lemon was doing next, and everyone wanted to know what Tuck Carlson, Tucker Carlson was doing next. And I said, Tucker Carlson will be doing a lot of stuff, and Don Lemon will be doing nothing because he's stupid, <laughs> and all he does is parrot talking points from CNN, and they don't need him anymore, and he doesn't have his own original thoughts. Right. So Don Lemon, you will never hear from again. He may host a game show on <laughs> BET or something, but you don't hear his. You won't hear another take from Don Lemon because Don Lemon doesn't doesn't have takes. He has CNN's takes. Mm. That's all. I know he has them. Otherwise, they would have wouldn't have all arrived in the exact same place for everything COVID. Somebody on CNN would have had another opinion on masking or ivermectin or hydroxychloroquine or shutting down schools. Someone would have had another idea, a dissenting <laughs> idea. They didn't. So they don't have takes. He has CNN's take and he got shit canned from CNN. So he's out of takes now. He left his takes with CNN. Don Lemon. Brian Skelter. Yeah. Check with me. Yeah, Brian Stelter, I think. Yeah. Stelter. Check with me. It's almost been a year. He's got no takes. Check with me in five <laughs> years and see if there's more takes from Brian or them. Now, they have CNN's takes. Right. Tucker Carlson gets accused of doing Fox talking points, but that's not who he is. He's gone, and he has a thousand different takes. Agree or disagree, he has his own takes. Don Lemon, I don't know if Don Lemon's interested in his own takes. He wants to go to South Beach, Beach and have a daiquiri. Like he's not, he doesn't even have, he doesn't have the will to do it. Is what I'm saying. Tucker Carlson would do it for free. He, he's going to get paid, but he would still do it for free. And there are many say- other personalities that would do it for free. Don Lemon is an actor who was paid to say what CNN thought. 
Well, that's the idea, though. They didn't want anyone with the original thinking, or they we wouldn't have gotten that job. That's mm-hmm. why. That's mm-hmm. why he would never been in that position to begin with. Well, and he's black and he's gay, and getting back to the diversity dance card that we can punch two two punch holes in it now. That we got gay and to, black. That makes him harder to fire. That's why yes. he lasted. Yes. Right. And I think he's kind of a ten cent head too. Uh, so Aaron Rodgers yeah. has been reported now that he's expected to be cleared ahead of his uh, Week 16 matchup uh, Christmas Eve game against D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, he tore his Achilles first game, and it's supposed to be season-ending injury. What the hell is happening? And, first game, first play, I think. Yeah, yeah. first series for sure. Yeah, and, um, Or play, yeah. And he, uh, yeah, he says he's playing 7-on-7 seven seven now and looks like he'll be able to clear. I mean, the Jets are like, I think they're 5-8. and eight. Mm. So I mean, is it even worth it? But well, if they let him play eleven on seven, mm. like if the commanders, <laughs> <laughs> if the commanders agree to pull like yeah. four DBs off the Just field, play, he's going to thrive. Off, yeah, please. But do your do some research just really quickly on forty year old athletes getting who've never been hurt before getting traded, like um, and and then going to a new team and instantly getting injured. Yeah, it just is always a bad idea to get a, a guy at the height of his um, age and uh, you to a new team. Right. They get injured. Yeah. I mean, every so, time. Like, but here's the question: If he wants to play, and you're the Jets coach, what do you say? I think you let him. You let I him. I think you have to. Yeah. Okay. Plus, you want to win out because it's like there are going to be people. There's going to be a lot of firing. You know what? I I'll tell you what I would do. I would say, Aaron, I'll let you play, but. I'm going to run you out of punt formation. I'm going to have the long snapper who does the punts. I'm going to have you 14 yards back, and you just catch it, and you can throw it down. you got enough arm to right. cover it. I don't want you dodging, blitzing cornerbacks and uh, you know edge rushers and shit like that. You, we'll run you out of punt formation. And by the way, if you can punt, on fourth down, <laughs> go have at it. But we'll run you. We'll run you deep out of punt formation. Yeah, and I, that's interesting. You know the guy you never hear about anymore. The the uh, Bob Costas. Mm-hmm. They ran him out of football. They did. Just because it was when he just stayed on the the truth of the people getting hurt and having um, you know, the uh, brain injuries, and uh, he. I think he did it one too many times, and they said, "You're out, out Bob. forever. Wow. You're not coming back." And that's it. And um, you forget, like, because I remember I was like at some f- a function, a fundraiser in New York, and Phil Sims was there. And you know, you got mm-hmm. you got you get one question you could ask somebody. It was mm-hmm. I tried to get one piece of information, mm-hmm. and the Phil I said, "No, if you could just play when you're not hurt, right? What would the NFL schedule be like?" And he said, "Well, you play the first game of preseason. You come back week four, the regular season. Wow, and then, and then maybe one game before the playoffs." That's mm. it. These guys are just like I remember, like Jerome Bettis. There was I was an article in the USA Today where this this running back for um, the big, powerful running back for uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. After a game, he said it's like getting it when he carries the ball thirty three times. It's like getting in thirty three car crashes. Yeah. He said what he what he does after that is he uh, the Monday after he has to crawl into to get to the hot tub in his house, soak for two hours, get to the stationary bike, just start his legs moving around. The next day, uh, just a slow jog, and then build it back. So it's like it's an incredible. That's why I do think that it has not got enough play. That the running backs 
do need to have a separate union within football. Oh, interesting. If you look at the injuries. If you yeah. take a look at what what their what their bodies, what they go through, and mm-hmm. I do think there needs to be a compensation running back, different compensation than any of the other players. Because it's not like a lineman. Linemen get hurt too, but the lineman, do you have like a forty year old lineman who's still playing in, in the NFL? But if yeah. the running backs just get pummeled and sat on and punched, and the the helmet hits are are just just for, they forget about those. Ah, he's a running back. So I do think that there is something to that. Um, well, that not happen. to crap on your point, but with Jerome Bettis getting in thirty three car crashes um, a game, he is known as the boss. So that's <laughs> <laughs> you would have less damage in a bus if you were hit by a car. I don't know if that's, that's just his nickname, or I, sure. I don't follow it closely enough, but I do know they call him the bus. Yeah. All right. Well, do you he think he's going to forward. Yes. You think mm-hmm. he plays? Uh, yeah, I think he does, because I think he has more juice than the coach does. Yeah. And he's going to want to do it. Yeah, selfishly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about ratings and money. So it's, it's now reported that uh, 12-year Seattle radio host... Danny Bonaducci. The douche. He's retiring. Oh. Yeah, he just announced it. He just tweeted it. So, um, yeah, been a, I mean, obviously, uh, child actor as well. I know. I mean, you've had your show with him, and he's been a co-host on, on, uh, on your radio show. But he has announced his retirement. I mean, he's had some health issues in 2022. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was, I was watching. I've been watching the Partridge family pr- pretty religiously, and I did. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> why I, I it's a part of my youth yeah. and i try to look at things through the lens of my adult life now versus the lens of my mm-hmm. youth you know and if you watch the exact same product but the product you first saw when you were eight years old in a completely different you know environment and then yeah. and then you now watch the product now in a 100 percent different environment which i'm in you then have to process the product and you get to toggle back and forth between you being eight years old and watching it and the thoughts that you had right you know for instance you did yeah i did it with uh with home alone i watched when i was a kid yeah Loved it. Watch it again. I'm like, this family is so rich. They're they're taking uh, 15 kids and adults to Paris. They live in a right a mansion. By the way, Rob loved you in Home Alone too. Thank <laughs> you. Well, yeah. If the first the first thing you have for me with the Partridge family is they lived in a huge house because there was an upstairs. I didn't know anybody who had a house that had <laughs> an upstairs. I knew people lived in the upstairs unit of an apartment, but those were outdoor stairs. You yeah. know what I mean? Now I look at it and I go, oh, man, that's a little house to raise all these these people in. Little stuff, just weird. There's there's also weird little things that are going on as far as society and, you know, the different characters that roll in and out. But but I was watching the douche man, Danny Bonaducci. And very Trim. funny in that show. He is very funny in that show. And you also then realize, like, when you're seeing uh, David Cassidy, you're seeing a guy at the height of his powers. You know, the, the I mean, David Cassidy at the height of his powers was selling out stadiums around the world, literally. I was selling out stadiums around the world and was like, 
when he was at the height of his powers, he was like more popular. In in you know, in nineteen seventy three, David Cassidy was more popular than the Beatles. Even though the Beatles broken up for a couple of years, but that he was on that was level, craze, yeah. you know. And then you start taking a deep dive into it, and it's like he basically died of alcoholism. And a kid, a young girl at one of his big, uh, one of his big, big shows in England was crushed and killed uh, with a stampede. And they say he never really got over it, and and he drank, and then he. He died at age like 67 or something. And he, he had and he he dreamt of being kind of Jimi Hendrix, but he got caught into this pop star bubblegum tiger beat kind of caricature from the short lived. You know, and it also it, it's a short window. It's three or four years of the guy's career. You know, by the time David Cassidy's done with Departures Family, he's 22 and a half. Or 21, you know, he's still got another 40 years to try to go around and they want him to sing the shit from the show and he wants to do Jimi Hendrix, you know, and then it's all kind of tragic. Yeah, you know, it is tragic. You know, that's why like those fans from 12, you're not going to like the same stuff at 13. So right. from 12 to 15, you want to distance yourself. That's why you throw all the dolls out. You take all the Partridge family posters down. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not a normal life for an adult. For a young – for kids, it's a mess. But for, um, you know, somebody who from 18 to 19, and it's – how do you make that transition? I mean it's tough. I mean at least the Beatles had four of them. This was a very quick kind of crazy, insane fame that I don't even know if exists anymore because those TV shows – you had like all in the family. You'd have 33 million people watch the show. And I remember I was just talking to Tony Orlando. We were on the same plane together recently. The great Tony Orlando, Tony Orlando Don, who's retiring soon. Great man. He said he had 30 million people uh, the last season and then he canceled the show because it was only 30 million people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, only 30 million when this country had 200 million, not 330 <laughs> million. I mean, he had he had. 26% of America was watching his show. Meanwhile, no, no. the number of people watching Lena Dunham's show, Girls, was 0.0000.7 of, of America. Yeah. Remind me, tomorrow, I'm getting into Tony Orlando. <laughs> okay. Tony's great. He's I, got great I have no fault with the man. Oh, okay. I just know his two biggest songs were Tie a Yellow Ribbon Round the Old Oak Tree and knock three times on the ceiling if all his songs required someone else to do something. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and if I saw him on that airplane, I would bring it up. Like, Tony, a lot of asks in is your pop song songs. Or are they instructions? Are these, is this a laundry list? Are these marching orders? Or can't we just listen? <laughs> or do I have to do something? I don't want a call to action. I want a song. <laughs> Knock three times on the ceiling if you... And then there was Tie a Yellow... And then he goes out... Hey, how about Tie a Yellow Ribbon is about somebody getting out of prison. And that went number one. Oh, there like, you go. I did my time. Dancing alone every night while I live right above you. Can't argue with the beat. Hey, Come Chris, on, yeah, you guys do covers, right? We sure do. How about you put a smile on a face out there for a change, huh? Okay. Good idea. So she lives below him, but he's got a code. Oh, my darling, not three times 
Bells on the ceiling if you want. Can you imagine that whore having to get a stepping stool out? Like, oh, he's got to go out and bang on the pipes, too. Right. How about she call him? To hear that through a floor? means you meet me in the hallway. It's going to bang her in the hallway. Tony was thinking, like, no one's going to know outside Brooklyn what that means. <laughs> bang, bang. They're not going to know. Nobody right. bangs the means pipe. nothing out here. But why doesn't he just give her his phone number and she can just call? <laughs> she doesn't have to right. b- ruin the, 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 the plaster on the ceiling of her kitchen by banging on it. Unless you had the Partridge family's second story. I would oh, not understand man. this. Good callback. All right. He's retiring, Tony. Let me just tell Tony Orlando's final show in Vegas is this March. Yeah, well, no shit. Years. That song was from 1971, and he was in his 40s. Like, there's no <laughs> doubt. It's time for he Tony to retire. But I'm a fan. Oh, God bless him. Still holds up. Still holds up. Love the guy. Rob Schneider, Daddy Daughter Trip, available Walmart, Amazon, and digital downloads as well. Please help out a brother. I can use some help with this movie to get, get you know, it's it's fun. It's hard to make independent movies. So if you guys would support me and go to Walmart and get the DVD and then look for the digital download, Daddy Daughter Trip. Family really film. Do. Family film. And uh, shoot him a tweet at Rob Schneider, Instagram, I am Rob Schneider as well. Website, robschneider.com. Always good to see you, my friend. Always a pleasure. Uh, give my love to Adam. I think he's such a mensch. Will when do, you buddy. see him hey, tonight. Always Continue. a pleasure. Acclaimed actor, Neil McDonough, is joining us, and we'll do that right after this. Oh, oh, O'Reilly Auto Parts. Wow, they have a holiday gift guide, and it's here. So if you're struggling with gift ideas, they have something for everyone with gifts starting at under 10 bucks. They've got deals for the mechanic on your list, and you can save on work lights, tools, and more, and help those who like to help themselves. Choose from great gift ideas to help someone make their car look its best inside and out, and... Save on cleaning supplies like washing and drying claws, floor mats, steering wheel covers, seat covers. It's all there. The Holiday Gift Guide also has the emergency supplies you need for your loved ones to stay safe. Save now on tire inflators and super start 12-foot jumper cables. The professional parts people will help you pick out the perfect gift for that hard-to-buy-for person on your list this year. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts or shoporeillyauto.com. Merry Christmas from the Adam Carolla Show. Can you guess which holiday classic Ozzy is reading from? Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown. If you said... A Charlie Brown Christmas. Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown! You're correct. Merry Christmas from the Adam Carolla Show. Neil McDonough is in studio. You know him from so many movies. I think the second you see Neil, you'll go, oh, Minority Report, Captain America, Walking Tall. I guess part two with The Rock, because... one was Joe Don Baker. That was like from the seventies yeah, or been something. Like three at the time yeah, you're was, too young. That was really big. Could have played Joe Don's son or something. But you were great <laughs> in the in the part two. 
which is a uh, very, very watchable movie. Doesn't make the rounds on uh, cable that often, but it, it, it early actually, rock it, work. It actually made the rounds quite a bit for a long time. Uh, so many people loved Walking Tall, and it was my first villain role. Yeah, you were great. Yeah, yeah thank you. Uh, yeah, it was, it was strange to play a villain at that point. I was like, really? Villain? And then all of a sudden, oh, I found my niche. Uh, the Shift is the name of the latest projects available in theaters and on demand and digital as well. It's a sci-fi fantasy thriller where you kind of play the devil, right? I play the devil, yeah. It's, uh, you know, the, the Shift was, we're so happy with with The Shift and Angel Studios and what Angel Studios stands for and puts out there. It's um, We just did a first look deal with Angel Studios with our company. So uh, Reve and I are very happy to have a home with those guys and... Uh, for this project, and then Homestead coming out, and uh, Black Spartans, a film that football film that we produced that uh, is going to go through them, and then our next film. So yeah, we're very happy there. Uh, is there a connection between your faith and and the studio? And what I'm asking in in general is, there's like book publishers, you know, and they then there's the kind of New York mainstream book publishers, and they're not going to publish a book for some conservative religious guy or something. But now a whole bunch of other publishers started popping up going, well, we'll fill that void. And I feel like there's a kind of a movie version of that as well. But I don't know if that's at all correct with this and what you're doing. Well, I think a lot of people just are searching for different entertainment, entertainment that the family can sit around and watch. And what we did with The Shift is you know, it delves in some really dark areas, um, but it's hope in the face of despair. And, and that's kind of really what Angel's trying to do and what the McDonough Company is trying to do also is these next couple ones that I wrote, the last rodeo that John Abnett's directing. Uh, we start that in March. And then The Wicked and the Righteous is this Cain and Abel in the West that we wrote that um, myself and it might be Jim Caviezel, um, which will be at Angel Studios also. It, it's just I, I get to finally make films the way that I've always wanted to make them. And uh, I get to have a, a great company with with Angel and with Unity, our, our financial company. So uh, it's it's a it's a pretty great time. I'm blessed beyond belief, and I couldn't couldn't be happier. And do you find that there's more of an appetite for it now? And I I mean maybe uh, maybe I'm just bloviating because this is the way I feel. But you know I've always said like. Five years ago, six years ago, especially in this town, if you're anything close to a conservative, you were just persona non grata. And everyone kept saying, you can't talk about this and you can't talk about that. And I would say, yeah, but half the country agrees with me. So why can't I talk about it? And they'd go, that's "That's not what we do here in this town. And then you you smash cut to Gutfeld's the number one late night show. And he's the number one late night show with a 20th of the budget of the big late night shows and no star power and a completely unproduced format or partially unproduced format. And it's not to me, the analogy I would use is I'd say, look, if there's a hundred Mexican food restaurants, then somebody should open an Italian food restaurant on that street. And then they go, no, people like Mexican food and that's what this town does. And I go, yeah, but with all these people, shouldn't there be an Italian food place? And they go, you think you can? And I'm like, you don't even have to make good Italian food. That's Just right. make Italian food and give people an alternative, right. which everyone thought was a flawed plan. And I was like, I'm just doing the math. And that's all Gutfeld is. I mean, I love Gutfeld, but Gutfeld's not 
better than the late night. He's just an alternative to what is going on in that realm times five or six players. Exactly. And I think we're getting there now, just now, though. Well, I I think it's just been, you know, everything is the studio system. Everything is run by the studios, and and it's worked, and and some of their fare is just a tad darker than it used to be. And I think, you know, and I'm guilty for being part of it as as well. And, you know, I got five kids. I got to pay, you know, school tuitions and everything else, right? So I got to work. Um, but now I'm getting to the point where I, I've, I've done very well in this career that I finally get to do things the way that I want to do them. And I think to tell stories to the heartland of America, which is kind of what we're going after, is what I've always wanted to do. And could I have made this 10 years ago? I don't think so. You know, could I say the, speak the way that I speak now and admitting that I'm a conservative person and I have a great relationship with God and I'm all about family first, me second? You know, I talked about it years ago, but we all know what happened, you know, 10, 12 years ago when I got fired from a show because I wouldn't do certain things. And that crushed me at the time for sure. You know, that was two years of— That wanted you to do love scenes? Yeah. Um, and On then, what show, sorry? Whatever. Um, and they knew that I wouldn't do it, you know. Mm-hmm. So for two years, I couldn't get a job. I couldn't do anything. I, I lost everything. And now— I, I'm on the other side of it, and it's kind of, I don't want to say it's become identifiable with who Neil McDonough is, but I just love my wife and I love my family so much. And if I get to make movies that make them happy, then that's that's kind of where I'm running right now. And we sat at the shift last week at the premiere here, and there is Reve and my five kids sitting there, and I'm looking at them, and then they're just staring at the, ske- at, the, at the screen, just loving what they're seeing. That's because their dad's in it, but they love the movie. And to be able to make a movie that the whole family can watch and yet still talk about issues, God, the devil, life, what is good, what is not good, it's pretty awesome. And uh, Angel Studios is allowing me to do these types of stories, and I'm just so fortunate to be able to have that relationship. Yeah, I feel like the Hollywood ship is starting to sort of slowly turn around. I can't tell if they're doing it because they want to or it's a financial thing, sort of like, you know, what is – Bud Light want? Do they want Dylan Mulvaney? Do they want Dana right. White? Like, what What do they want? And I think the answer is they want money. So that's forced them. It's always them. the answer. It's always the answer. So they've kind of turned themselves around. Disney's turning themselves around. Maybe Target will start to turn themselves around. Like, these entities, once they get this financially foisted upon them in a right. negative way, then all of a sudden they see the light. That's right. <laughs> Which, yeah, yeah, you're forced to. Right, which which I feel like is the awakening that's going on now. But I still, and I'm glad that you're in um, uh, Yellowstone. Sorry, because I was when all the Emmys were announced the other I don't know a few months ago. I, and I see Yellowstone getting snubbed. You know what I mean? And Yellowstone is the most popular show on TV and gets the least amount of Emmy nods. So you first have to stop right there and go, is there something going on? And then there's a bunch of shows you've never heard of that are getting multiple Emmy nods. And then you realize, well, it's kind of has a conservative leaning. Costner's considered a conservative guy. And it's a bunch of old white guys riding around on horses. And I understand why that's they don't do it. I wish they didn't factor all that in. But they do. But they do. But I, as I started with the beginning of the show, sort of talking about the Oscars, it hurts their franchise. When the right. most popular, most talked about, highest grossing show on television gets snubbed for an award show, 
that is essentially the award show says, what's the best television show? And then says, like, we're going to go, who's the best quarterback to ever play in the NFL? And then I go, Tom Brady. And they go, leave him off the list. (laughs) And I go, well, wait a minute. How can you leave him off the list? He's the most successful quarterback. Yeah, I know. But we'd like a little more diversity. Any ladies ever take snaps in the NFLs? How about gays? How about lesbians? How about Warren Moon? Don't you think Warren Moon? Big comeback. Warren Moon is good. He's just not. No, we're not getting into Tom Brady. And it's like, well, now... At the award shows, I think you're going to lose some credibility. And that's what's happening with the franchise in has, has any show held or built an audience better than Yellowstone in the last decades? No. no. And, and, and Taylor Sheridan, what he does, I mean, he writes so well. I mean, for my character, Malcolm Beck, he just let me loose. And I got to have a ball playing this really just despicable human being who had a certain code. And he built that code with me. And, you know, there, there was one day I was in my office – and he didn't direct the scene. And we shot it for, for most of the day. And he, he called me that night and he goes, I want to reshoot just a quick pickup of the, of the scene because I think we need to, to rip the office apart a little bit better because you're really angry. I'm like, great. We get there the next day and we filmed a whole day of me smashing the heck out of everything. I'm like, can I throw something to the flat screen? Boys, how many flat screens do you have? Seven. Go ahead. Start nailing them. Right. Throwing stuff. And it was, that's because Taylor cares. So he could care less about awards. He just wants to make great entertainment that makes him happy. Yes. You know, and as Oscar Wilde said, art is absolutely useless to anyone but the artist themselves. Hmm. So you should be doing it to make you happy also. And Taylor really knows how to do that very well. And then he, he creates a great environment for actors and great words. And um, yeah, that that show isn't you know, winning Emmys. Is, it just it baffles my mind. Well... If we decide that there are other elements that we need to weigh in and look at first and perhaps even put above the product, then this is bound to happen. So if you just go in thinking, well, this is a competition to see the best TV show, then you're going to be disappointed because what you do not realize is whether it's the best TV show or the best vice president, we're no longer (laughs) – that's not the yardstick we're using to measure excellence anymore. But I argue and I've always argued it, it hurts. It hurts the franchise and it hurts the person that you're pushing in front of the franchise or you're pushing in front of the product because – now people are kind of going, is that person really the best? Is that show, you know, is Abbott Elementary really the funniest sitcom or does it check a lot of boxes? And it's not fair to the people who may be winning the awards in, a, in their own way to have half the country go, well, it's probably just because. You're right. Which, but, you th- but, that, but that's just how it is and how it's been. And, and I think in the last several years, even, even more so with, with the boxes that you have to tick off to win awards. Again, if you're doing it to win awards, that's the that's that's so that's a selfish approach. It's really what's the most entertaining thing, and you said something, but also makes dollars so the show can stay on the air. Well, you know, I agree with you, but there is a financial, or no, I should say there used to be a financial downside, and maybe still is. For instance, if I make documentaries. And a long time ago, I realized that uh, like me and Sundance weren't weren't going to get along because I made a movie, I don't know, 
14, 15 years ago called The Hammer. And the guy just said, look, I don't like Adam Carolla. So there's this not getting into our it's not getting into Sundance. I don't like that guy, which he probably shouldn't say. But they feel they can do things with impunity on that side of the aisle. What an awful thing to say. Yeah, I know. A stupid, I, stupid thing to feel, first of all. Well, also. Who doesn't like Adam Carolla? I mean, ever, seriously. I mean, outside of my family. <laughs> And certain members of your family, which I will not name because right. they've asked me not to. That's right. Exactly. No, the, the problem is this. You can go to Rotten Tomatoes and you can look at all the scores of every film that I've presented to Sundance that's been rejected. And the average score is in the low 90s or, or high Jeez. high 80s. Well, especially with documentaries. But the comedy they rejected was 81 with the critics and 90 with the people on a rom-com it's a high score but then the docs are, huge score. are in the 90s and then you look at the average score rotten tomato score of a film that gets into sundance and you'll see it's in the 50s That's or right. something exactly. and so empirically at least i should i should get in there but the guy just said we don't we don't like adam carolla now you bring your docs ostensibly people bring their docs to sundance they screen their docs at sundance and then sometimes there's a bidding war on the doc that was screened at Sundance. Right. That's a business model. If you make docs, you kind of would like that That's avenue. Right. I do not have that opportunity because they don't like me. I made a documentary about Paul Newman. Paul Newman is, you know, butch casting the Sundance Kids. The Sundance greatest. Film Festival is Robert Redford. His best friend is Robert Redford. The, the thing is named, the film vessel is named after his character that he played with Paul Newman, snubbed, and not got not gotten in to Paul Newman, the doc. That's how unintimate me they wow. are. But it would be nice to sell it at Sundance. So they're, now the business model is changing and morphing and kind of evaporating, I think, in front of their eyes a little bit. But. It, there is a financial impact that goes along with of sort of being snubbed. For sure. For sure. Or, again, you can you can talk about awards and such, but you need guys like Taylor Sheridan or, you know, Angel Studios even. Take them. They're making films because they want to entertain people the right way. Mm-hmm. They have absolutely no – it doesn't even come into their brains about award winning. And, you know, I know people have said a bunch of things about the shift and – award stuff and this and that. It's like, great, but is it entertaining people? Is it sending a message that there's a, a bit of hope in the world? Uh, and that's what makes me really happy. Were you always this into your faith? Yeah. I, you know, it was, when I was in high school, I was a real smart aleck in high school and trying to figure out who I was. Uh, and then I went off to this religious retreat called Echo when I was 16 and I came back just like, wait a second. He, he, I have to realize how fortunate I am to be who I am and the gifts that he's given me. And then after that, everything just kind of switched. And then I became the star of the shows, being you know, captains of teams, class president, this and that. And then all of a sudden, you know, because I know I've, I, he's always got my back. I'm not always there for him at times. I'm, you know. Talk about Taylor Sheridan. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, through alcohol and having to give up <clears throat> alcohol and, and, and things that I've done that I'm not necessarily proud of in my life. But those are the things that made me who I am and who I have to learn from. And if I didn't have that faith in him, knowing that he has that faith in me, I don't know if I would have gotten through it. 
I worry about this country being less and less Judeo-Christian and giving those values away so readily and so easily. And I say that as an atheist slash agnostic. I'm worried. I, I really am. I've you know I've said it a million times. Like I'm I'm. You don't have to be religious to be into, into the Ten Commandments. That's a good— It just makes sense. Yeah, it's like you don't have to be a nutritionist to have someone go diet and exercise. Right. You know, the, you know the difference between eating a fudge brownie yep. and eating broccolini. You know right. what I mean? And doing push-ups versus watching TV. Like, then that's the way I feel about religion. Like, right. it's just diet and exercise. It's, right. it's there— it, it's a good thing. Look, even if you're not a believer, and yet, like you said, if you abide by the Ten Commandments, you're just being a better human being. Yes. And, and isn't that what you, whether Look, I've read every book in religion on the planet, and they all kind of go to the same thing. Just love each other. Be cooler to each other. Enjoy each other's company. Yes. But yet we figure out ways to get as far from that as possible and point fingers and call everyone names and not be accountable for the stupidity that we do every day. We're all sinners. We all make mistakes. It's how we get up after that dictates what kind of men and women we are, whether it's for God or not. Yeah, I'm worried that we're getting away from those values, those traditional values, and replacing them with another religion that's not a religion. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. So I don't know too many—I don't know—I'd be kind of curious on your head on this, but— there's not a whole lot of people who can just sort of replace religion with nothing. And I'll go a little bit deeper, which is if you're an addict uh, and you're able to get sober, you find that when you talk to these people some years down, you'll see them two years after sober and they'll be completely sleeved up with tattoos right. or they'll start telling you about free climbing. I'm now going down, I'm going to climb half dome without a rope, you know, or I got into skydiving or something. And it's like, Oh, you kind Took of one addiction and flipped it into something. There's different. a sexual version of it too, where it's like you, you kept this thing, but you switched it into something else. Right. There's, you don't meet a lot of people who just go, I got sober and then just sort of nothing. Like, I didn't really get into this or really get into extreme sports or mountain bike riding. Like, it, it, there's a replacement. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying there's a lot well, of— I do have five kids, so there's <clears> extreme, you know, parenting sex. going on. Oh, so, yes, that's, that's too. Yeah, how so, did we get there? Uh, have you met my wife, Revae? That's a good-looking woman. I'm a very lucky man. Your wife— Is hot. And she she played, like, professional volleyball or something? Uh, uh is she six foot one? She's six three. Six three. Yeah, she, and she's an incredible athlete. And our five kids are Jesus. Are, are what pretty awesome stock? Your yeah. kids. Yeah, my son's six. Our son, he's a senior now. He's six five. Our daughter is. She's a junior. She's she's six three. Like her mom. I ran into you and your wife at a Harlem Globetrotters right. game That's backstage and right. or backstage locker room right. or whatever we're yep. calling it. Yep. And I remember looking at your wife, like looking, like. She was from a she. She was like f- from a superhero movie or something. Like you don't meet a lot of that. She is Wonder around Woman. here. She, we call her Wonder Woman for a reason. She's oh, you do. Well, smart. She's uh, she's my uh, biggest supporter, uh, biggest critic, biggest force of you know sense of inspiration. Anything. She's just and my best friend and now my partner in, in producing movies together. We're in our fifth movie now and. 
Uh, to, if you, you know, years ago, if you said, this is where, you, where you're going to be with five kids, 100 movies, and you producing movies with your wife, I'd be like, really? Nah. Yeah. Wow. Well, it happened. It's called blessed. But going back to replacing something with, with nothing, I don't know what percentage of Americans who aren't religious who won't replace that with something. Now, you can take something, you know, you just take the climate. That is a religion. Yes. Because, and and many things COVID were religious as well. First, I, I guess what you could say is if you're doing a bunch of things that are sort of invisible and may not may not pencil out in science, then we could kind of call it a religion. Mm-hmm. And, Sports you know, fans. Yes. You get into an elevator and there's a stamp on the ground and then another stamp five feet away and you're both supposed to stand in your each corner so you won't get this this COVID that could be spread 50 or 60 feet away if you're outdoors or whatever. It's just it, it's become its own religion and the climate has become its own religion. If And it has all the earmarks of a religion. Like you're, you are talking about a rapture every six or ten years, like something there's going to be a rapture. It, it is religion. And so what I worry is that we got people out of the churches and then we brought them over to the rally and they're going to hear Greta Thunberg speak for two hours. And now I'm worried because the religious people, even though I wasn't religious, I was like, well, I don't worry about them. They have a community and they got the Ten Commandments and I'm not worried about those people. Right. These people have a mission. They're on a crusade and that does affect me. I'm not the smartest guy on the planet. And the way that I kind of conduct myself is that whatever immediacy I have to, to, to certain things, my, my kids, my wife, my friends, if I can live by example for them, then I'm doing my right job. I can't control what's going to go on in politics. I can't, can, everyone says, well, you should run, be in politics. I'm like, Why would I want to be in politics? Half the people will hate me right out of the gate. So and not that that really bothers me that much, but the stuff that you get dragged through in, in life for, for, especially in politics, it's just, it's, it's really hard. So for, for me, it's being the best version of myself that I can be for him and for my family. And after that, it's just kind of extra at that point. So I don't, I don't know. I just, I kind of, it's kind of some, I, I just enjoy exactly where I am right now. You know what I'm most envious of for anyone who has a, a real faith? I'm envy but you can tell me how this pertains to you. I'm envious of when Evander Holyfield was going to fight Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was the scariest man on the planet, and he was destroying people. And and, and everyone was getting beat because they were backing up, and eventually Tyson would catch up to him, and then that was it. Right. And Evander Holyfield's a super religious guy, and he's like— I'm not backing up. I got God on my side, so I'm just going to go in there, stand in the middle of the ring, yep. and then I'm going to hook with the hooker. It was unbelievable. I'm going to trade with this guy. And I was like, I'd be a bundle of nerves as an atheist <laughs> right. going into the ring, right. not feeling like I had somebody Today, to back me die. up. Right, right. But Evander, because of his faith, was like, oh, I'm not worried about Mike Tyson. He should be worried about what I'm going to do to him. And then he went and did to Mike Tyson what no one ever did to Mike Tyson, which is he bullied 
Mike Tyson. And, of course, Mike Tyson didn't know what to do. <laughs> he, he bites him. He wasn't right. He wasn't used to backing up. That's right. He was used to moving forward. And I've always sort of looked at that and I went, man, that, that, what a, what a get out of jail free you have in your back pocket. It's not really get out of jail free, but what I'm saying is, is that faith, I'd pay $10 million to have well, the, the, half of, there, half of his faith. There's really two ways to live in life. There's live in fear of anything. Or live with faith. So faith it just seems a lot nicer way of going through life. I have faith that God will get me through whatever happens. I've been through some horrible things in my life. But I knew he'd get me through it. And if I didn't have that faith, I don't know where I would be. I don't, you know, I just, there's no way I would have a wife of 20 years in Revae. There's no way I would have had, I'd be sitting on the Adam Carolla show talking to you about life. How cool is that? I mean, I mean, just think about it. From this kid from, you know, Hyannis, Massachusetts, to come all the way out here and do all these movies and all these things, I should have said, I should have quit a long time ago. You know, I said, no, you can't do it. You'll never make it. You can't do it. But I was just dumb enough in my faith that I felt like this was what he wanted me to do, so I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. And I have, and it's just... It's, it's really, I don't look backwards. I don't really look forward either. I'm always kind of in the present, and the present that I'm in right now is just blessed to be where I am and get to make the movies and TV shows that I'm, I'm really about to start making, and those are the ones that I've always wanted to make. That's a pretty awesome ride. You're from Hyannis, which is featured in a Boston song. Old rock and roll Dancing band. in the streets of Hyannis. I played we that for getting, Oh, come on. Good at the game. These kids from MIT with that sound on their rookie <laughs> album. I mean, that was just um, rock and roll band is one of the greatest songs in the hit because it mentions Hyannis in it. I know. It's unbelievable. And, and I'm from North Hollywood, California, right. and I never took a geography class. No, no, what's, what's like, a hi, what is a Hyannis again? Dancing on the street of your penis. <laughs> and it's like, I'm like, I'm like, what? Where's Hyannis? There half, it is. The, half the cities they name in towns. We were just another band out of Boston. Oh, come on. To try to make ends meet. I didn't even know what that meant. Listen to the drum progression here in a second. It just goes up. Oh, here it is. Here Let's go. rock. Here we go. Do it now. Isn't that just so good? We all right, hold on. Getting ready for the greatest lyric in rock and roll history coming up. And to add the sound of a crowd. Oh, There's yeah. no crowd. These guys are rookies. It was never in a concert. I love Foster. Here it comes, everybody. Add your seats to the greatest line in rock and roll history. Everybody back in high. Let's get ready for this one. Those drums. Oh, it does me. It got to get weepy. Gotcha. I, I just get emotional. I can't help it. I miss that place like crazy. Oh, man. I, 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 I couldn't My brother make Bob heads back or... in Hyannis and Sign It Signs. That one's for you, brother. I couldn't make heads or tails of any of these location songs <laughs> until I was in my 40s. That's right. <laughs> but That's I was, what that song meant? Oh, I didn't know that. I was singing along. <laughs> I just was making up my own words. Neil McDonough, The Shift is the name of the movie. It's available in theaters, on demand, and digital. God bless you, literally and figuratively, for Thanks, what Thank you're you. doing. And is there any other place I should send people? Instagram? Oh, I don't know. Neil underscore McDonough. I don't really do a whole lot of social media. If you uh, like. Wow. 
Uh, usually, you older religious guys are all about <laughs> older religion. I just got thrown under the bus as an older religious. <laughs> All right, start thinking oh, about Boston. Neil McDonough's going to be back on the show next week in Adam Carolla. <laughs> start the thinking guy. about the band Boston. I'll put you in a good mood again. That's right. All right. I want to thank Rob Schneider for uh, zooming in all that time. Neil oh, by the way, how cool is Rob Schneider? I love that guy. That dude is just money. Love him. You can go to, uh, I'm doing two shows at Rancho Mirage at the Agua Caliente Casino this Saturday. First show sold out, second show added. Go there. Um, I'm all over the place. I'm go coming ahead. to Phoenix. Just go to AdamCarolla.com for all the live support shows Get in and support me. Come Until on. next time, it's Adam Carolla for Neil and for Rob and for Chris saying mahalo. You can leave us a voicemail at 888-634-1744 and you can get your tickets to see the Ace Man at AdamCarolla.com. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy Christmas classics like Scrooge with Bill Murray or Last Holiday with Queen Latifah. Plus, dive into festive channels like holiday movie favorites by Lifetime or Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never. Hold on to your jingle bells. Pluto TV has all your holiday favorites for free. Enjoy our season's greetings category with nine holiday channels, including holiday movie favorites by Lifetime, Festive Fireplace, Holiday Lights, and Hallmark Movies and more. Download the Pluto TV app on all your favorite devices and start streaming holiday favorites on live channels and on demand. With thousands of free movies and TV shows, Pluto TV is your home for the holidays. Pluto TV. Stream now. Pay never.